Hey everyone, Jacob here. Before we get into our Christmas review of Jack Frost, there's a few pieces of admin that we need to go over, the main one being that this is actually our second attempt at this review, because the first one sort of, well, it died. Uh, I explain in a bit more detail in the actual record, but just so you know, this second version was recorded late on a Thursday night when both myself and Nathan were pretty fed up. So it's a, an interesting episode of the podcast, to say the least. Secondly, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who has supported us through this year and to let you know that we have some pretty big things planned for 2021, so please do stick around, keep following us on social media and keep listening because it really does mean the world to both of us. And finally, I can't believe I forgot to say this in both the recording sessions we did for this episode, but a huge, huge thank you to Josh Davis for the special remix of our theme song that you're about to hear. He's also the guy that does the theme music for Extra Bad, and if you want to check him out further, you can do so by visiting his website. That's joshuatdavis.com. Davis spelt D-A-V-I-S. And that's it. Merry Christmas, everyone. If somewhat snowy welcome, dear listener, to this very special Christmas edition of Bad Things, the podcast your weird uncle gives you for Christmas because he panicked when he found out you didn't like football anymore. I'm Jacob Simmons and I'm not projecting, you are, and joining me on this shonky sleigh ride through a winter blunderland is my little helper, he's only five foot eight, old Saint Nath, Nathan Packham himself. Nathan, sir, a season's generics greeting to you for a second time because we're doing this podcast again because the first lot of audio broke i didn't know how you were going to play it so i'm happy that that (laughs) is now out in the open so all of the jokes there was no (laughs) way we could have gotten away with pretending that we hadn't already said all of this before all of the jokes we are going to tell you we have already said and we won't find them funny so there will be no laughing on this (laughs) podcast uh yes jacob a generic uh elf uh i I can't think of any other christmas things a generic elf seasonal salutation to you and as they say on peep show and i've already said this joke on the other record Ding dong, merrily on my dong, the Christmas elves are weeping. Welcome to the Christmas special of bad things. This this is going to be the worst episode we've ever done. <laughs> oh dear. And with that, um, with that disclaimer out of the way, God only knows what this is going to be. Uh, but a bit like Christmas, uh, it will just be a big old mess. <laughs> A bit like uh, Christmas, we're happening again. Yep, yeah, we're happening again and again and again, and someone's probably going to be racist. That was a joke. Right, uh, yeah, but, well, you know, we, we originally recorded this... Oh, my God. <laughs> you know. About two weeks ago at the end... <laughs> we originally recorded this about two weeks ago at the end of November, and then for some reason my computer decided it hated me. So it killed all the audio uh, and I uh, got myself very stressed trying to fix it 
and then uh, after spending £80 on a piece of software to try and fix it, realised that that £80 had gone straight down the swanee. So here we are again. We're doing a film today, Nathan, aren't we? We're reviewing a film that we've never seen before in in our lives. What's the film called, Nathan? Oh, no, no. We, we, we must rise above this. Um, the film we are doing... Oh, this is... This... <laughs> Sorry. We're the least professional right. people. Uh, in this the podcast world. is going to be over in 45 minutes, uh, which everyone would probably appreciate. <laughs> Everyone's going to love um, that. The so. film we are doing is from 1998. Um, it was voted for by our lovely Bad Things universe. Thank you. Sorry. Um, it is uh, Jack Frost. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, it is, uh, this is a quote from Wikipedia. It is a dark fantasy drama released in 1998. This is our Christmas special. Uh, and hopefully, you know, Christmas, Christmas sadly isn't what we wanted it to be this year. But hopefully we can bring you a little bit of festive joy with our very disjointed uh, and bizarre second take of this review what could sum up 2020 better than than the bad things review just being a total shitstorm right uh nathan i put in the script here general chat about christmas films but i know your view on christmas films because you only like one of them (laughs) yes i do the only one i would like to reference here is a muppet's christmas carol and I think we are Marley and Marley, Jacob. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, and there's that yeah, weird of... bit with that guy on a doorknob as well. That's the other bit I remember. <laughs> One of the Marleys is literally called Jacob, so this oh, is perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, The Muppets Christmas Carol, which is being re-released with a with a missing song <laughs> that has been missing for 20-odd years. <laughs> It's now back. Well, I don't know where it went, but it's back. Uh, so that's timely. That's some new content for you there. Uh, yeah, Muppets Christmas Carols is a fucking great film. Are you pissed as I... well? <laughs> I don't know anymore. Uh, but I will also go for a, go for a film called Arthur Christmas, uh, which I really like, uh, which is about the son of Santa Claus who's just a bit stupid. Um, and just, you know, he tries to save Christmas, but just buns it up along the way. It's very heartwarming. Uh, it's animated. Uh, it's got James McAvoy in it, which is always a plus. And Santa is played by Jim Broadbent, who is at that stage in his career where he should only play Santa Claus in things. Uh, but we're not talking about any of those films today. We're talking about Jack Frost, uh, which, despite being a Christmas film, was filmed mostly between the months of March and June, in 1998 and released in the USA on the 10th of December that same year. It was released in the UK on the 12th of February 1999, you know, (laughs) February, that prime Christmas movie market. So released in cinemas, well that would have been the only format it would have been released in unless it was direct-to-video in February for a Christmas Mm. film. Who went to see it? If anyone that listens to this went to see Jack Frost in the cinemas in the UK when it came out... Please let us know, because what were you thinking? The most that anyone would be... Well, no, maybe, yeah, my brother listened, so he, oh, he definitely would have gone and seen it. My brother was, <laughs> my brother was 14 in 1998, so... This, um, this film didn't have Slipknot in it, so he wouldn't be interested. <laughs> yeah, there's no Ramones in, uh, in Jack Frost. <laughs> Shout out to Mark. 
<laughs> Your brother, not Mark Ramone. Is there one of them don't, called Mark? Don't the Ramones each, like, uh, they've, they've covered all the names possible in the English language. <laughs> yeah, I think they're sort of punk version of the Osmonds. They're just sort of, there's billions of them just being produced artificially in a factory somewhere. Uh, yeah, and despite being set entirely in Colorado, the film was mostly filmed in California with one location in Nevada. It was directed by a chap called Troy Miller in his feature film Dave Bew, who was best known for the world of surreal comedy. Uh, and as we get into this film, we're going to slowly get further into the realms of surreal com- comedy, both from the content of the <laughs> film and probably us too as well, as we slowly lose our minds. Uh, he has gone on to direct episodes of Parks and Rec, New Girl, Arrested Development, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, and the reason I haven't mentioned anything he did before the film is because I hadn't heard of any of the shows. Uh, no, and also my notes are uh, Arrested Development as well, and also <laughs> Dumb and Dumberer. Oh yes, uh, the Dumb and Dumber sequel. Uh, which was critically savage, so he's got four. <laughs> Yeah, he could be a repeat offender on this program if uh, if that ever ends up as a as a poll option. We could be reviewing Troy Miller's other work. <laughs> he's only got a few films, I think, from what I saw. Yeah, he's um. Well, I mean, could, <laughs> is anyone going to hire him <laughs> after this? A, that is a very good point. The story was created by a chap called Mark Stephen Johnson, who was most famous at this point for the Grumpy Old Men films, starring Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. He also went on after this to direct two superhero movies: 2003's Daredevil, starring Ben Affleck, and 2007's Ghost. Rider starring Nicolas Cage. <laughs> what a film that latter one is. It's so rubbish. I love it. And also credited with writing the script are Steve Bloom, Jeff Cesario, and Jonathan Roberts, who four years before this had co written The Lion King for Disney and would go on to be one of the writers of Monsters Inc., which is bizarre considering the quality of those versus the quality of this. Yes, and a weird binary for me as well, because I have not seen the whole of The Lion King, but I adored Monsters, Inc. when I was a child. What are your thoughts on Monsters University, the sequel? Um, I think I was over the age of 10 by that point, so I haven't seen it. (laughs) Oh, okay, fair enough. (laughs) So is 10 like the barometer of when you've seen films? I think about seven is the barometer. So the film came out before two thousand and one. Um yeah, no, okay. I'll push it to nine. I'll push it it to nine. (laughs) Because you've seen Shrek too. Yes, because I've seen I'm you know. That was the last film you saw in the cinema. (laughs) What was the last film I saw was Joker in the cinema over a year ago. Ah, Okay. Wow. Uh, mine was Tenet this year. Uh, oh, you, you masked up and went. Yeah, I did. Yeah, wish I had For two and a half hours. <laughs> of just being confused. Yeah, that, that was being discussed today on the Zoom drinks. Uh, apparently you've got to watch it four times to get anywhere oh with it. Oh, my God. <laughs> right, okay, completely, let's completely move away from this. I watched Inception for the first time recently which is another nolan sort of sci-fi thing um were you about to tell me that you've never seen it (laughs) no i have seen inception once in a cinema oh there we go uh that was fairly complicated but i got most of that on the first viewing tenet made no sense at all 
And I'm not watching it four times. So fuck that. Um, back to Jack Frost. Uh, several big names were attached to the project at some point, according to IMDb, Internet Movie Database. Uh, we had the likes of Kurt Russell, Dennis Quaid, and Kevin Costner all considered for the lead role. And George Clooney was on board at a very early stage. However, he had to turn this down because he decided to go and do another film. We have run on a poll. 1997's Batman and Robin, which I really want to do at some point because it is so bad and I have seen it before. And, you know, we're going to get into some bad ice puns later, but nothing tops the... uh, the old Arnie ice puns from Batman and Robin. Yeah, I've seen the Arnie quotes. I've just not seen the whole film. It would it would give me an excuse to, of course, discuss the uh, the original Batman <laughs> film and bring up the Prince soundtrack. There we go. You can yes. tick that one off for this podcast record. <laughs> well, we are going to get into that because uh, the man they brought in to replace George Clooney was another famous Batman, Michael Keaton, who did star in The Prince Batman, uh, which is, I think, its official title. Uh, the Prince Batman. There's the Prince Batman, the Val Kilmer Batman, the Batnips Batman, and the, the good, the good Batman. Yeah. <laughs> is it your? Is it you that has a friend that watches The Dark Knight every Christmas? It is Jacob. Yes. I have a I have a friend back home who gets absolutely destroyed at the pub <laughs> and then watches The Dark Knight till about three a.m. and probably then gets woken up by. His parents probably about seven or eight in the morning because people get up early well. at Christmas. Uh, <laughs> well, that's because you know Santa's been and and we, Santa has to wait there until he's finished watching The Dark Knight before he can do his job. Also attached to the project was Sam Raimi, who is famous for his Evil Dead movies as well as the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films. Uh, But he turned it down to go and do something else in 1998, a film called Simple Plan uh, that was nominated for two Oscars. So, you know, joke's on him. Right, Nathan, uh, we've already done this before. And to be honest, there isn't really much to say about the prehistory of Jack Frost because from the looks of it, it, it looks like it was just a sort of pretty run of the mill family movie that the studios thought were going to do was going to be quite successful um as we'll find out it was not but uh in terms of like sort of stories from behind the scenes not a great deal really went on in this film it's sort of all about the action everything ran smoothly we've got no Lou Reed with some swords <laughs> uh what what else have we had on bad things we've not got any uh budgets uh no. running out uh it all no. was well Patrice planned. Wilson wasn't involved it was no Patrice Wilson uh, no they didn't they didn't go to a, a Chinese restaurant that was actually a Mongolian restaurant to offend some Japanese people that we're aware of Charlie Frost did not record a music video <laughs> He was prime age, but unfortunately he was male, so Patrice wasn't interested. He didn't think he could make any money from him. See you for the Wilson Awards, folks. (laughs) Yep, the the Wilson Awards coming soon. Speaking of coming soon, something that's coming a lot sooner than the Wilson Awards. Let's get into it, shall we, Nathan? Let's get Christmassy up in here. Here we go. It's Jack Frost. He was smoking his pipe, baby. His two eyes. 
snowy Warner Brothers logo opens the film to tell us it's Christmas, apart from in the UK, where it's Valentine's Day. We drop into a rock concert where the Jack Frost Band are playing a bluesy version of Frosty the Snowman, a song that Nathan and I have taken as a bit of an in-joke over the course of the uh, the last couple of weeks because we love this song. <laughs> just, just anything positive that happens in our lives is also accompanied by a message <laughs> saying Frosty the Snowman in capitals. <laughs> And the other one will reply, Michael Keaton is the lead singer and harmonica player of the band. Uh, His character is literally called Jack Frost. (laughs) Yep, forget any subtlety going forward, (laughs) as we say on every Bad Things episode. (laughs) Yeah, tact was not one of the the pillars of storytelling they chose to employ here. Because, you know, pre-Snowman, Michael Keaton's character is literally called jack frost uh they've got various members of the band who i think were actually uh, the composers and in-house musicians on the soundtrack of this film but uh, another member of the band is the keyboard player mark addy who was in game of thrones as robert baratheon uh the only good thing he's ever been in because the rest of his filmography reads like <laughs> a big old list of shite and we've also got a violin player randomly in this uh, blues band. The only reason I mention it is because uh, we made an in-joke in the first recording that I fancied her because she is very much my kind of gal. And what is her name? Her name is Lily Hayden. <laughs> just, Lily. I could just see it on Facebook. Jake, <laughs> Jacob Simmons is in a relationship with Lily Hayden. She is very much my, my type. She is very alternative looking and a musician as well, which I think would be a lot of fun. Uh, And she is an actual musician as well, who has worked with the likes of George Clinton, who once called her the Jimi Hendrix of violin. (laughs) So (laughs) that's the first weird cameo in this film. Speaking of weird cameos, we have to dial up the Zap account because uh, the performance is being watched by John Kaplan, a music agent who is played by Dweezil Zapper. Nathan, who is Dweezil Zapper? (laughs) Dweezil Zapper is the son of mad, experimental, progressive, jazz, avant-garde, rock, person, thing, Frank (laughs) Zappa, who is probably the very uh, end of... If we're talking extremes with my music taste, if we're going from Rick Astley at one end (laughs) to, uh, to someone at the other end, that someone would be Frank Zappa. If you've not heard any of Frank Zappa's stuff, he is mad and wonderful and at points a bit wrong. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so give him a go why not Nathan went through a period of whenever I would see him and he'd put on one of his playlists uh, I think somehow engineering a 20 minute Frank Zappa song called was it This Little House Where I Grew Up uh, it's The Little House I Used to Live In I think that's it's the one it was a bit yeah it was 20 minutes long and it was a complete like just journey in terms of music it went like everywhere at once and that came up like every time I saw you when we would usually you know it was when we were cooking when we were usually making one of the three meals that we eat together yes yeah because we're British uh so that's my exposure to Frank Zappa I've heard a couple of his tracks he's he's pretty good but um I've never really given him the time uh let's move on to another one of Frank Zappa's children because Ahmet Zappa shows up next because the next day we see a snowplow being driven by as I mentioned Ahmet Zappa so that's two on the Zappa count uh as another one of Frank's kids makes an appearance in this film why I hear you ask I don't know 
But, you know, I think Frank was dead at this point, so he isn't even, like, a producer or something. Yes, Frank died in 92 or 93, I think. Ah, okay. But in his will, he wrote, (laughs) With my dying breath, please make a film where Michael Keaton gets turned into a snowman. In in his will, he wrote, Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have smoked so much. And uh, (laughs) also Jack Frost. If Frank Zappa somehow did have creative involvement, that would change my view of this film somewhat. We would still be in the cinema (laughs) if Frank Zappa had involvement. (laughs) That's a very good point. Uh, we move off to a school. It's the final day of term before Christmas, and we meet Charlie Frost, who is Jack's 11-year-old son. His school teacher is Moon Unit Zapper, the third and final Zapper child to make an appearance in this film, who is uh, Charlie's female uh, school teacher. if you're confused as to what gender Moon Unit would be. Um, she's uncredited in the film because she's a woman, probably. <laughs> And this was the 90s, so sorry, sorry, Moon. Uh, Charlie's played by Joseph Cross, who went on to be in Netflix's Mindhunter, in which he plays a character called Benjamin Barnwright, which sounds like an extra from I Want to Marry Harry. Where's Kingsley in it when you need him? <laughs> where's, where's, um, what was his name? Bertold. Bertold, that's it. That's his name. He went on to play Bertold. He didn't, but he might have done. I don't know. Uh, also considered for uh, the young boy role in this film was Jake Lloyd, who Star Wars fans might recognise as a young Anakin Skywalker in The Phantom Menace. Uh, an actor who got horrendously bullied for his role in that film to the point where he quit the acting profession. <laughs> because children were awful. Massive snowball fight with a local bully who is called Rory, but I call him Roy throughout my entire notes. Uh, he is basically just Biff from Back to the Future as well. So if I call him Biff at any point, uh, that's who I'm referring to. Um, have, have I ever original... told you before, Jacob, that I prefer Back to the Future too because of the Biff Museum bit? <laughs> I think you have. Um, Back to the Future 3 was on TV recently, oh. and I always remember that being the worst one, but I enjoyed it. That is a pile of shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's got ZZ Top in it. That's, that's not enough for me. <laughs> then I'm not a sharp-dressed man. <laughs> it's enough for me. Uh, anyway, Charlie saves a dweeby kid from the bullies and is heralded as a hero. However, we get Rory snowboarding down and some bad acting happens. Uh, Rory is played by Taylor Handley, who is making his big screen debut, and it sort of shows. Uh, he went on to be in the Netflix film Bird Box for about five minutes, which was a good film. Uh, but as I said, he was only in it for five minutes, so never mind. Uh, Charlie hits him in the face with a snowball, and that's the end of that. Well, you say that's the end of that. The uh, the blues scene and the war scene take up far <laughs> too long. As is often the problem with scripted media in this podcast, pacing is an issue with this film. And yeah, it drags. There's the blues scene. You essentially hear the entire song. Yeah, it's that sort um, of three four minutes of Frosty the Snowman go on for for, for the whole thing. 
there's and a then, yeah. there's a 15 minute blues jam on a uh, <laughs> on Electric Ladyland by Jimi Hendrix, and it's it's not far off, not far off that. <laughs> We're getting pretty close to Zapparin, Zapparian, Zapparesque, Zapparian, Zapparian, Zapparoke. Answers on a postcard. Uh, but yes, Synonym it goes for on. slight misogyny. <laughs> Charlie goes home to his mum, Gabby. Uh, who plays Gabby, Nathan? Uh, this It's always bittersweet uh, talking yeah. about Kelly Preston, uh, who was famous for being in Jerry Maguire. She was also in The Cat in the Hat. <laughs> um, that was a childhood staple for me. I don't think I said this first time around, but I watched the fuck out of that film when I was a kid. The Mike Myers one. Where it, it it if I watched it as an adult, I'd probably find loads of things wrong with it. But as a kid, I loved that film. There is always Christmas in twenty twenty one. I saw the Cat in the Hat once because I mm-hmm. got really excited because I went around someone's house and they had Sky Movies. Wow! And we decided to watch uh, the Cat in the Hat <laughs> during the Sky Plus days. Um, the but... um, the the whole scope of entertainment at your fingertips and you chose the cat in the hat <laughs> with Kelly Preston and Alec Baldwin. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw Wayne's World before I saw the cat oh, well. in the hat. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, bittersweet really. She uh, was married for a number of years to John Travolta and tragically mm. this year died of breast cancer in July. Yeah. Yeah, very sad. Um, you know, we've lost, we lost another one. We lost Roy Horn this year as well. So um, you know the bad things um, filmography list is a uh, is has been thinned out a bit this year, but yeah, very sad indeed. Um, but Kelly Preston, a very good actor, as you said, was in Jerry Maguire and a film called Mischief, and the music video for She Will Be Loved by Maroon Five, oh, which I still haven't gone back and watched. <laughs> is it the saucy one? I need to know. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, we also meet the the Frost family dog Chester, who is played by a dog called Mister Chips. They're waiting for Jack to come back home from his gig, uh, and when he does, I felt like he actually had some decent chemistry with Kelly Preston here as the uh, as the wife and husband duo. Um, I don't know what your thoughts you, were on that. You say that, but there was the weird clunky lip balm line, <laughs> and it was just like, well, just met, like you just want to go and bang, don't you? So just <laughs> just go and do it, okay. And they do, but we'll get to that later. Because uh, before that, uh, Jack's got some parenting to do. He wakes up Charlie to build a snowman in the front yard because of foreshadowing. Uh, they finish the snowman, and Jack tries to give it a penis. Dad, why is it nose? Oh, I thought you said hose. <laughs> Sorry. The hose, as he says. Yes, indeed. Oh, dear. Not the first penis reference in this film, which I think is for kids. I don't know. We'll probably... We'll try and decide by the end. Um, But anyway, Jack puts Charlie to bed, and according to his bedroom, Charlie really likes sports, particularly hockey. Uh, They go to a picture of Wayne Gretzky, which is a a relief, because he's the only professional hockey player I know. Uh, I don't know if you if you enjoy because you used to work for a sports uh, a sports media company. Nathan. I, did you ever I, cover any hockey? I feel like I did the full gambit of sports, but I really didn't mm. because hockey wasn't one of them. My oh wow! Do we want a hockey anecdote? Do we want one? <laughs> do you have one? I have one. Yes, I okay. went to an ice hockey game in Nashville. <laughs> that famously snowy place. All places, you know, like most hockey games, maybe they're like they end like five three or something like that. No, two one. This one was. Oh. <laughs> it was boring as shit. 
This just reminds me of that. Was it a basketball game you went to where Coolio sang <laughs> the national anthem? Same holiday. <laughs> that was when we travelled a bit up the country and we were in Cleveland, and there is hmm. nothing to do in Cleveland. Uh, so we went to a basketball game for eleven dollars, um, oh. and uh, we saw Coolio at halftime. <laughs> You could go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum. We did go to that. <laughs> yes. But after that, there was nothing to do. There's yeah. Lake, is it Lake Erie in Cleveland? Oh, you're, stre- you're stretching my knowledge now. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. We're also, we're also stretching the realms of this podcast. <laughs> oh, we need to get back to it. Anyway, yes. Jack gives his son a gift for Christmas. It is a golden harmonica, which he thinks would appeal to his son, who really likes sports and not music for some reason. I don't really get this plot point. Uh, they just needed something, some kind of magical thing to then cause a snowman <laughs> who might not actually be a snowman to come alive. <laughs> they needed a, they needed, um, what's that phrase? Uh, a MacGuffin. That's it. A sort of, uh, that's, that, that's the phrase for the, the sort of generic item that possesses magical powers in a, in a film. Uh, that's the MacGuffin here. Uh, Jack explains that it's his favourite harmonica because he bought it the morning that Charlie was born. So does he not need it anymore? Also, fed up with s- it. Stay, stay in theatre with your wife. <laughs> what are you doing? You know, he popped out to the the hospital foyer harmonica shop. There's there's freaking about out about the birth of your first child, and then there's going to buy the most expensive <laughs> item you've ever bought. Also, should he not be buying like a present for for his son rather than himself? <laughs> On the day, on the day his son was born, that last act of bachelorhood selfishness. <laughs> I'm gonna buy me a harmonica. Jack says the harmonica has magic powers and says that anywhere he plays it, his dad will be able to hear. This will become important later on. Jack and Gabby then go to the bedroom. They have some banter before getting down to some good old-fashioned PG-rated sex. Yeah, a bit of smooching. Then it cuts away. Mm-hmm. Sad times. Yeah. Uh... I don't mind standing every day out on the corner in the pouring rain. <laughs> in the snow. You will. I make you guys really proud of me. We're already really proud of you. Buy a nice big house. Might settle for a new sink. And get you a new car, like a Porsche or something. Anything but a Jeep is a sissy car. I get you some diamonds. Jack says that he wants to be a successful musician so he can buy his family a bigger house. Their house is enormous. <laughs> the The only thing you could say is that it is all on one level, but yes, the depth yeah. of this house is extraordinary. On, it's on one level, but it's like if somebody tipped a skyscraper on his side. <laughs> it's still massive. It looks like, you know that you know that block in Tetris that is just four, like horizontal blocks yes yeah. it's that in house form <laughs> it it's is the gherkin enormous. building in house form <laughs> on its side um yeah there's a big kerfuffle about a hockey match because uh, charlie plays hockey um and jack says he'll go to one of the games but unfortunately he can't make it because he has to go and record a demo tape Oh no, uh, Jack promises he could make the game, uh, but uh, I'm sure this won't lead to any sort of conflict down the line. Uh, Charlie is practising for the hockey game when Jack promises to teach him a new trick shot. Sadly, they don't get time to teach him the get of the shot because Jack has to dash to the recording studio. This will become important later. 
we get to the hockey game, and Nathan, what song is playing in the background? Uh, well, I actually know this now. Um, <laughs> it is a song by Gary Glitter. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's rock and roll part two. As some Gary children Glitter. play sport. Yeah, uh, different times, folks, uh, but still very funny. Speaking of musicians, although in a very different league for many reasons, uh, who plays the hockey coach, Nathan? A man who goes by the name of Sid Gronick. Yes. Which has got to be one of the most unintentionally hilarious names of a film character in history. Sid Gronick, just to repeat that again, is played by... a man I didn't know before this film, to be fair. Uh, punk icon Henry Rollins, who mm. is probably best known as for being in the hardcore punk band Black Flag in the 1980s. <laughs> so strange. It's like, have you seen Dunkirk? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> is that the one Nolan's Harry Styles is in? Yes, that was going to be my point, yeah. is that he... I think he... If I remember correctly, he auditioned for the film and the people had no idea who he was. So he got in on completely his own merit. So maybe the same thing happened with Henry here. I don't know. I get confused. I get Gary fades into the middle distance to be replaced by a song called Don't Lose Your Faith by the Jack Frost Band. I think this is an original track, and Michael Keaton is credited as a co-writer, and I think he actually performs the lead vocals as well. He is not not bad in this in this role. Uh, there's an element of garishness to his <laughs> vocal delivery, but yes, as a man who is uh, first and foremost an actor, he does a superb job. Yeah. No, definitely. Is it quite? Is it quite John Goodman in Father of the Pride levels? <laughs> That's a very good analogy to make. <laughs> uh, just like actors making you aware that they're singing. That's kind of the style <laughs> of vocal. Jack misses out on the game because he's too busy at work. As Charlie's team gets destroyed by the only other hockey team in town. Uh, Jack gets home. Gabby is not happy that he promised to be at the game. Jack makes it up to Charlie by promising a proper family Christmas at the family's log cabin. So this family could afford a log cabin and they have a massive house. <laughs> How much more money does this guy need? Uh, a very fake depiction of being an unsigned musician. Yeah. yeah. This guy's doing all right. His wife his, his wife is like a bank teller. That is all she does. Like, It's not exactly a high-flying job, so it's not like he's being propped up by her. Let's pretend he is a descendant of, um, I don't know, Jefferson or something. <laughs> you know, one of those sort of uh, troubling, conflicted uh, colonial forebears. I was going to say maybe he's related to Robert Frost, but I don't think poets made any money either, so... What did Robert Frost do? He's a, he's a poet. Oh, you know more than me. You did an English degree. I, d- I did an American... Well, I yeah, I, <laughs> I, American, I didn't know about Lake... What was it? Eerie? Lake Erie, yeah, yeah, I think is the right one. The family are packing up for their trip to the cabin, but rut-row, Jack gets a phone call. If he wants to get signed by the record label, his band needs to perform at the Christmas party, which is tonight. Rut-row. A whole new level Charlie is of very... <laughs> uh, lack of compassion within a capitalist system here. You shall not <laughs> spend Christmas Eve with your family, otherwise you will not be signed by a major record label. 
and neither will we or any of our employees because we choose to host our Christmas party on actual Christmas. I once went to a Christmas party on Boxing Day. Non-family related. Yeah, it oh. was at uh, my Taekwondo group's Christmas oh, party. Oh God, God! <laughs> oh, the they lemonade. <laughs> They were like, uh, we. the earliest we could get it was in late November. So this was the closest we could get to Christmas. <laughs> and it was on Boxing Day. What What were you drinking? Was it? Were you underage at that point? Yes, I was very much underage oh. at that what, point. What belt are you? Uh, I got my black belt. Oh, shit. <laughs> I love telling people that because no one expects it. That's weird. Yeah. You know, I the, know. Uh, yeah. the uh, pacifist, um, left-leaning <laughs> activist. Uh, yeah, I quit Taekwondo after I got my black belt to go and do amateur theatre, which I think says all you need to know about me growing up. Oh, I've got no fears going to the club with you now, Jacob. I stride <laughs> right in there. It's like the, um, the, the the mythical time where we almost got beaten up by a sailor. I could have handled myself. Yeah. Have you yeah. ever actually screwed someone up? <laughs> no, I've never. I've never been in a proper fight. I've had a few sort of schoolyard scraps, but never never needed to defend myself in real life hmm, how could i annoy you enough <laughs> well if your audio fucks up on this and we have to do this a third time then yeah oh, i'm gonna come to london and beat no. you up there's gotta be another time that he can see you according to kaplan there's no other time this is it Dad? Oh, don't worry about it forget about it it's too hard because no, he's no no no, no, no. Even... hold on hold on a second yeah, let's talk to... about it let's see if we can work this out okay i mean how long do you have to play I don't know. It's a good point. Could maybe play like a half an hour, yeah. two, three, two. I mean, it's not like you have to play a whole set. They can tell what you sound like right. after a few songs. Right. Get out of there. Well, maybe I could borrow Mac's car. I could drive back. Okay. That way I could be back by Christmas night. But you know what? I'm gonna miss Christmas Day for sure. I mean. Yeah. Charlie, what's this? I gave this to you. I don't want it. Charlie is very upset that his dad will miss Christmas and gives him his harmonica back, which he was probably not going to use in the first place, but that's beside the point. Jack gets about five minutes out of town before he decides he doesn't want to go to the Christmas party and go back and see his family. And it turns out none of the rest of the band actually wanted to do it either. So what was the point of that? It's just a weird scene. <laughs> he literally pulls up at the side of the road. He's like, oh... I'm really worried. I'm going to blow the guy's big chance. And then Mac's like, oh, don't worry about it. Nobody was that interested anyway. <laughs> when Max... when people talk behind your back, but they're thinking the same thing anyway. <laughs> it's like when you make plans to go and see someone and then you're like, well, I'm not really feeling it. And then they cancel before you, which is the best, <laughs> the best feeling in the world. Which happens like 80% of the time. <laughs> then things go mental. Where do you say that's about what? Because in the space of about two minutes, uh, Jack is driving back to see his family. It starts snowing. Things get progressively darker and harder to see. And then he crashes his car for no reason whatsoever. 
that's a bit harsh. The snow is coming down very heavily. Uh, he can't see. He's come to a tight bend, and uh, it's never actually confirmed uh, in the film whether he just simply crashes into the barrier or uh, goes right over the edge, which has made me shiver considerably even thinking about that possibility. Well, yeah. Um, the long, the long and short of it is that he has a car crash. It's very, you know, considering like this is the whole point of the film, like his Jack's death. For starters, we're about forty minutes in at this point, <laughs> and it's taken because that was my problem. I was waiting the whole time for him to die, which sounds horrible, and especially horrible when it's this is meant to be a family Christmas movie. But we're about halfway in before the main. Uh, inciting incident of this story actually happens, which yeah, I found I, very strange. I had assumed he was going to die straight after his greatest ever gig at the start, but <laughs> yes. um, no, he hung on for a very long time. I mean, he obviously he wasn't in the ridiculously long snowball fight war scene, <laughs> but apart from that, I guess they needed to give him screen time, so they I did. I don't know. I, I, I feel, I mean, we'll get to this in my, my concluding thoughts, but this did not work for me at all. I thought this was a, one of, a huge misstep in the film. Um, but yeah, in the film, Jack Frost is no more. Um, he has unfortunately passed away on Christmas Eve. And then it's a year into the future randomly. For, for which, like, the gear change is ridiculous. <laughs> we go quick from... cuts, and then there's this. <laughs> and there's an entire year of life just wiped from history by this cut. Uh, Charlie is understandably quite upset because uh, it's around about the time that his dad passed away. Uh, so bullies try and pick on him, but in the words of one of them, he's no fun to pick on anymore since his old man died. So down that even the bullies are letting him have a free pass. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, Charlie walks home, begins snuffling, uh, shoveling some snow from his driveway. Uh, the snowplow being driven by Ahmet Zappa drives up and accidentally dumps a load of snow onto the drive, which I found more funny than sad. Uh, speaking of sad, though, this is like this is my top bit of the film. Uh, mm -hmm. Charlie is really struggling to shovel the snow. Um, this is going to be quite a serious bit here. And he gets quite frustrated. Uh, eventually it all becomes too much and he just breaks down crying in his mum's arms, which I thought was a brilliant portrayal of grief in a young child. Just that horrible feeling of, of not really understanding why you're so upset where just mm -hmm. little tasks feel so big and... and you know, it, it, it's not just in young children. Like, I've, you know, I've experienced it in my life as as, a, as an adult just just those feelings of like why can't i do this really simple thing and it just really gets to you and i found it was very poignant and i very nearly cried at this point i'm, I'm happy to admit this again uh this film made me cry <laughs> i think it was two or three times um uh especially Jeez. this bit and then also the uh the stevie nicks vocal bit which i think is a little bit later on in the film. Yeah, that I can't fault that. I thought that was a really good bit. Um and well done to Joseph uh, Joseph Cross who who performed his role brilliantly. Um so yeah, well done to this scene. It's a shame this is as good as it gets though, uh, because it's all downhill from here. Uh Gabby's gone out Christmas shopping, so Charlie is left alone with Mac, who is Mark Addy's character. He sees a dad building a snowman with his two children, which must have been just utterly heartbreaking, and decides to build his own snowman to the soundtrack of Landslide by Fleetwood Mac, 
which was an absolute mm. joy to hear because I love that song. Yeah, it's a very good song, but it didn't. I'd, I'd managed to stop crying and <laughs> started again. So, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. I took my love and I took it down. I climbed a mountain and I turned around. And I saw my reflection in the snow covered hills till the land. A stonking solo snowman effort from Charlie ends when he puts his dad's old scarf and hat round the snowman, and I'm getting sad again. Damn this film for making me feel things. Uh, And then he pulls the harmonica out of the box, the golden magical harmonica, and like, so this might, I don't know if this is me nitpicking, but firstly, did he not give it to his dad? So how did he get it? And secondly, like, are we just expected to believe that he's not seen this thing in a year? Like, I think it would have worked much better if he'd, while he was scooping up the snow, if he'd found the harmonica after all this time. I think that would have been <laughs> much better. His dad had just gone, ah, you're right, I'll put it in the snow. <laughs> I don't know. Like, if he'd, like, thrown it on the ground in disgust or something when mm. he was angry at his dad and then discovered it a year later... Um I don't know, just like, especially considering how important this harmonica is to the plot, I felt like it was not given the right treatment in this scene. Uh, but then again, that could just be me. Um, I don't, did you give this as nearly as much thought as I did, Nathan? I, I absolutely didn't, uh, but I'll uh, I'll see you in Hollywood for that uh, writer's uh, meeting whenever yeah. that does happen. I look forward to making no money as a screenwriter because I insist on everything making sense. Charlie then plays a bit of the harmonica and lo and behold, we get some magic shit. Uh, um, yeah, magic Christmas bullshit happens. A massive snowstorm begins to swirl around the snowman. Uh, did Charlie not hear any of this? Because it's pretty loud. <laughs> it's extraordinarily loud. And I like that you called it magic shit because that is just <laughs> as vague as the film portrays it as well. No real explanation beyond the harmonica being played. No. I don't know if it needs that, but I don't know. Maybe it would have benefited slightly from from some sort of backstory. Uh, but up until this point, the film is not magical in any way. So this really does come out of nowhere. And we are nearly an hour in. So <laughs> maybe it could have done with some explanation. But we don't get some explanation. What we do get is the snowman coming to life. And oh no. <laughs> oh dear. It's the stuff of nightmares. What, what is this? <laughs> Do you, I don't even know where to start describing a, this. Like, it needs to be seen to be believed, but we're going to try. A, a plump sort of snowman, unidentified creature <laughs> thing that is not in any way warm or no. welcoming. No. Uh, it is purely uh, terrifying and also massively overweight. <laughs> it walks... Like, it shit itself. Like, you can see whoever's under the costume's legs moving, but it doesn't have any legs. So it's like the bottom half of it, like the bottom third, the ball, sort of moves like it has legs, but it doesn't. It 
I don't I don't like it, Nathan. I was I, so I was so baffled by this because there were just points where I was like, is this now a human in a suit? Is this <laughs> a, just a puppet or is this CGI? <laughs> like it was so badly done that it was almost better than a lot of things I've seen <laughs> in terms of confusing me as to what was real and what wasn't. Like, it needs to be seen to be believed. If if you haven't seen the film, just Google the scene where the snowman comes to life and you'll be set. That's all you need to see. That's all the recommended viewing. Uh, and by the way, Jack's spirit is in the snowman, if you hadn't already figured that out. Charlie? Hey. Charlie, it's me, it's Dad. Charlie! Did you get the door? What? Jack, at this point, does not realise he's a snowman, so he goes into his house, or he tries to, anyway. Does he not know he's dead? What does he think is going on here? Can he feel that he has slash has not got legs? I have a lot of questions. Charlie then sees the snowman monstrosity through the window and rightfully screams. Jack then sees the reflection of himself and the mentalness of what's going on finally dawns on him. He tries to figure out what's going on and tries to touch his dick. <laughs> the return of the hose. He's just obsessed with penises. He goes to touch his junk. When he figures out he hasn't got one, he goes, No! Oh no, all those lady snow women. <laughs> oh no, I can't have sex with my human wife. Oh, oh god, I don't even want to think about how that would work. <laughs> Frosty uh, the snow. Frosty the snowman. Ah! <laughs> uh, Jack is swept up by the snowplow and is deposited in a big pile of snow and I'm pissing myself at this point because he tries to like he tries to like walk back to the house but then his like his middle ball falls out and then the <laughs> ball moves independently from the rest of him and it's then his arms move independently and it's like what the what the fuck is going on i think as you said earlier jacob some vague magic shit <laughs> is bringing this all together it really is and and the the, the bit in the snowdrift goes on again for way too long and, like, before he's a snowman, Jack is fine as a character. I don't really have anything to say on him. He just comes across as, like, a decent guy. But as soon as he comes back as a snowman, he is unbearable. I prefer him in human form. I'm not massive <laughs> on him in either guise. <laughs> he comes back as a snowman, and it's like he's regressed to, I'm going to go 14, maybe? Yeah. It, it is just, like, it's bad one-liners, it's vague innuendos, it's, like, action movie zingers. We're, like, this is a massive shift in his character, and I don't know why. Are they trying to, like, capitalise because it's the 90s? I don't know. It's, what, it's, clear, the... it's just the sense of freedom you get when you naturally turn into a... <laughs> um, an unfathomable sort of snowman creature magic shit thing. <laughs> Some sort of snow beast yeah sort of i don't know oh but yeah he's really really unbearable to watch at this point 
Uh, but he eventually makes his way back to the house just in time to see Gabby pull up in her car. Jack is like, I need to act casual before realising that he is, in fact, a fucking snowman. <laughs> Gabby starts talking to the snowman and starts touching it. It's a good thing Jack doesn't have a dick at this point because he would definitely have a stiffy. Uh, Charlie has barricaded the door and tries to explain that the snowman has come to life, but naturally, everyone thinks he's gone mental. Yep, straight for the white coats, I think. <laughs> yeah, because this is the 90s, the first thought isn't, we probably need to get this kid who is grieving the loss of his father into therapy. The first thought is, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, a, another schism in our lives. <laughs> oh well, let's just carry on like everything's fine. <laughs> and, uh, and stiff up a lip. <laughs> wait for him to uh, wait for him to go mental in a B and Q when he turns thirty six. Right, the snowman is now perving on his human widow through the window. Great, he sheds a tear, which is the snowman equivalent of a human crying blood. <laughs> Great. Jack is wandering around the town and asks why he has come back as a snowman. A uh, quote here from the film. Is it the name Jack Frost? Because if so, that isn't even clever. Yeah, too bloody right. Oh, you're back in the writer's room, are you, Jacob? <laughs> I'm just waiting for the call. Uh, he runs into Sid Gronick. I'm going to say his full name every time now because it brings me joy. Uh, he runs into him. Sid drives away screaming. This is pretty much the only time somebody sees Jack as the snowman and he's Barely mentioned again. Anyway, the next day, Charlie confronts the snowman with a hairdryer with the world's longest extension cord. Uh, Jack eventually tells him, uh, and this is one of my favourite lines from the film, I can explain everything. Well, I can't explain the part about me being a snowman. <laughs> See, on occasion, there is a zinger, isn't there? There's there's some... We'll get to a bit in a minute where, uh, where, where there's a genuinely funny comedy, but... For most part of it, it's just really bad. But that part was really funny, uh, intentionally or otherwise. Uh, Charlie runs away. He bumps into Rory and the bullies again. And yet, yet another full metal jacket snowball scene breaks out. Um... Oh, where, uh, do you know what I've done? I've done a classic me, and I've lost myself. In my notes. <laughs> are we? Is, are we into the flurry of snowballs scene yes. now? Yes, okay, we are. Right. Uh, yeah. Where the? Where the? I don't know. I don't know. Here we go. Uh, okay. Um. What? I. I'm... <laughs> oh yes, I'm here. Right, I'm here. So I'm yes, handling um... this well because this is like the third least bad thing that's gone wrong with this podcast record. So. <laughs> there. Yes. Uh, there is another snowball fight going on. And uh, Jack decides to get uh, his big uh, snowman hose involved, <laughs> and uh, he he releases a flurry of snowballs at the bullies, and it is quite terrifying how quickly he is able to release uh, all of these balls. And that's not an innuendo. <laughs> he frustratingly describes himself as the Wizard of Blizzard. Uh, that quote can get in the bin. He runs out of steam, uh, and then uh, Charlie nearly dies uh, when he <laughs> almost falls off an edge. <laughs> Yep, uh, some of the, the bullies chase Charlie off a hill. He he falls off the hill, and the other kids are like, "Oh well, <laughs> never mind." <laughs> he didn't have any friends anyway. Um, Jack rescues him. Uh, they, he rescues him in a really convoluted way. He like throws his bottom third onto a seesaw. He catches him in midair. Why didn't he just catch him at the bottom? I don't know. Uh, they sledge off down the hill to some 90s music uh, and all the kids chase after them because they're all pro snowboarders now. Hooray. 
Uh, the bullies begin to fall off their boards in increasingly hilarious fashion, and then the worst line in the history of film... You the man! No, you the man! No, I'm the snowman! Once again, this chase scene, you know, goes on for about 45 minutes, I think. Yep, yep, um, yep, it's it's just full of weird little tidbits, like when Jack gets hit in the, hit in the chest by two snowballs and he turns them into snow boobs. He then plays with them for a bit and throws them back at the kids. Um, and of course, we've got the kids being killed in between <laughs> two giant snowballs at this point as well. Yep. Yep, uh, some <laughs> two kids push a huge snowball down a hill. Um, no idea where it came from. Jack and Charlie bored through a conveniently placed tube, which is just too small for the giant snowball. Um, some kids end up going into the snowball. They think they're safe, and then another massive snowball comes along and crushes them to death. No child idiots were harmed in the <laughs> making of this. They were oh. not. Um, we do see them later, and they are still alive, but... Oh my god, for about 30 seconds, I thought this film had killed some children. The Frosts jump out of the conveniently placed tube with the worst piece of CGI in the history of cinema. Jack, for some reason, karate chops the sledge in half, which serves to aid nobody. Um, And for some reason, Charlie is now on an actual snowboard rather than half a sledge. Because (laughs) the team just... They obviously shot this scene last and didn't care at this point. He he must have played the harmonica at some point in the in the uh, in this chase scene to create a, a fresh fresh snowboard. The uh, the undefined magical harmonica. Yeah, Rory is gaining on Charlie, but Jack zooms up behind him. Uh, Rory falls down a giant hill, hits his balls on a tree, falls some more, and again would definitely be dead in real life. <laughs> this is the dark fantasy element. <laughs> Uh, we finish up the scene. It's one of the most insane sequences I've ever seen in my life. I can't decide whether I like it ironically or not. I, but it's just... It's an experience. It's a real... Ex- like, that scene will stay with me, I think, until my dying breath. I I hate chase scenes at the best of times, so I was mm. not enjoying how elongated this was. Um, and... Rather morbidly, my favourite bit was the snowball sandwich. <laughs> uh, I think I have to agree. It was so funny. Oh, those children. Just give them the Oscar now, those kids. Give them to the snowball. Why not? All right. What position do I play in hockey? It's easy. You're a winger. Right wing. Wrong. What do you mean wrong? You're a wing. They moved me to defence last year. Oh, man, Charlie boy. I'm really sorry. I mean, defence is a good position, but you're a natural winger. Hold on, what'd you call me? I said... Charlie Boy. That's what I always call you. Charlie Boy. Dad? Jack and Charlie now decide that this is the time to have a heart-to-heart. Jack can't remember anything about his son, but he does remember his name, and that is what convinces Charlie that the snowman is his dad. Yeah, he says the nickname Charlie Boy, uh, yep. which always annoys me when someone's nickname is longer than their <laughs> actual name. That is a good point, yeah. That, and Char- Charlie is a nickname in itself, because that is presumably a nickname for Charles. Oh, where so... do I stand on the same length of words? <laughs> We get some mild jeopardy where Gabby almost sees Jack in the house, but it goes absolutely nowhere. 
Uh, Jack watches TV through the window. The snowman starts laughing and it looks horrendous. <laughs> we then find out that Charlie has quit the hockey team, which worries Gabby. However, Charlie refuses to talk about it. And that is the end of that. We also learn that uh, the weather report on the TV says that a warm front is rolling in. This will be important later on. Jack is uh, now being pulled around by Charlie in a big trolley thing. <laughs> Just pulling well, him around the town. What, why is one of the tropes of mental illness like <laughs> having a trolley? <laughs> is that a trope? When I had a breakdown, I did okay. not uh, have a trolley. But but that's that's probably more because it was a struggle to get out of bed and therefore I wouldn't have been seen in public with a trolley. <laughs> you would have uh, been the one put being pulled along, probably by me. Yes, yes. As we as we gallivanted throughout the town. Oh, that's oh. a whole fantasy that I don't want to <laughs> go any further into, Jacob. Gabby is quite appropriately worried about her son, but instead of seeking medical help, she goes to ask her dead husband's English friend to talk to Charlie. Uh, meanwhile Charlie and his dad are in Charlie's special thinking place and they practice the special hockey shot that he didn't finish before he died uh, there's a scene here where the snowman looks directly into the camera and it's really scary <laughs> it's, any smiling or direct looks <laughs> into the camera from whatever this CGI mess is <laughs> is uh, it's not good Any anything that isn't just like standard snowman face yes just, just does not where are the good. teeth <laughs> Where are the icicle teeth? I don't Where know. are its legs? How does it move? How does it breathe? Oh, so many questions. Uh, also, don't give this thing teeth. That's going to make it worse. They practice some hockey. Uh, Jack ends up full of holes for, at some point. Uh, I, I put in my notes, can he feel pain? And my next note after that is, why am I asking that? He's a fucking snowman. <laughs> But we will get to, uh, he, he does feel heat, which we will get to. <laughs> yes, Which does. is, I guess, his pain? I don't I, know. Oh, I don't know. We're trying to get into the, this is like the big debate I had with myself, whether the toys from Toy Story could feel pain or not. Oh, God, it's one to keep you up at night, isn't it? <laughs> that's, uh, that's what little Jacob was up to <laughs> when he first saw Toy Story 3. Uh, Mac is taking Charlie to, to the Shiver Fest. <laughs> Shiverfest <laughs> which is just the worst name for a festival ever come to Shiverfest where you'll get pneumonia <laughs> great yeah yeah the 90s Mac tries to talk to Charlie but because it's the 90s two men cannot have a productive chat uh, Charlie asks Mac why he doesn't play music anymore and he says that he lost the groove once Jack died Mac says that maybe someday he'll get the groove back important i want to challenge you on this i really liked this scene yeah you, um, you did um i didn't i just don't think i cared <laughs> there's just a really sweet bit where charlie's just like oh dad was your best friend right and that just absolutely did me in i think that was the third oh, uh, wow. i think that was the third cry there i i didn't cry at all at this point like one of my problems with this film is that a lot of the side characters feel very underdeveloped so I like that. I think there was a lot of good possibilities. Oh, it's for it's Mac. hardly father of the pride, Jacob, <laughs> is it? For that, no, we don't get Siegfried and Roy. Although I wish we had. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just feel like that they didn't use Mac to the full potential because he's sort of in it, but not really. Like he's in it maybe for about I don't know, like fifteen minutes tops. 
when he could have definitely been used to play a bigger role, but and they just plonk him in a hardware store because he's British. <laughs> yeah. Which did make me laugh. yeah, he's travelled thousands of miles to live in Colorado for some reason to work at a home base. Can't think of an American. I can't remember what an American hardware store name. No. Um... Oh, it's all in Target, isn't it? Everything's in Target. There's <laughs> probably a hardware section. When I when I first got to uh, San Francisco after the plane ride, I fell asleep in a Target changing room because I was so tired. <laughs> That's my one oh, anecdote. Jacob with jet lag. That has got to be something. When I was out there, um, I went there because my girlfriend at the time was studying at San Francisco University and I was there to sort of settle her in. So when she was in lectures, I spent an obscene amount of time in the Target next to the campus. I think I went there, <laughs> I went there every day when I was in America. <laughs> It, it is the Narnia cupboard of America, <laughs> just with more debt and um, heart failure-inducing foods. Indeed, yes. God, God bless America. Man, oh man, you got your shopping done there, folks? You got 10 hours left, Christmas Eve, and it's already 55 degrees. Could get up to 70 today. Snowplow driver's got a day off, huh? Man, that's hot enough to melt the snowman. Meanwhile, it's getting warmer because Al Gore hasn't run for president yet. The radio DJ giving the weather report gives the clunkiest bit of exposition ever when he says, it's hot enough to melt a snowman out there. We get it. He's going to melt. (laughs) At the behest of his father, Charlie apologises for quitting the hockey team and they let him back in. That was easy. Yeah, it's it's a very quick uh, deliberation, isn't it? They're like, oh, yeah, all right, yeah, you are grieving, so all right, go on then. <laughs> They're like, well, we probably should have reached out to you a bit more over this really hard time in your life. <laughs> we all yeah, feel a bit guilty. Yeah, they had to let him back in or they face several legal challenges. <laughs> uh... These these nine-year-old children, or however old they are, 12, I don't know. Presumably, they had to have had someone to replace Charlie on the team. So if they just, like, cut that kid out... That is brutal. Just, just whisperings like, yeah, sorry, like we're going to get sued if we keep you in. So <laughs> Jack then realises that he needs to go and watch this game, despite the fact that he is, and I will say this again, a fucking snowman. He tries to get Chester the dog to pull a sled to the arena. Uh, the dog is tiny, so nothing happens until Jack says that there is a sexy lady dog at the arena and that gets the dog going. Fuck. The, uh, the cute poodles are out in force. <laughs> Fuck this film. Uh, Yeah, the only two hockey teams in town have yet another match against each other and Charlie's team is being creamed, but Charlie's actually good now and he pulls the game back. Jacob, you say that, but it's a year later, so it's actually the next season, so there's every possibility that they would have yet another fixture. Wow, God. Well, you're in the writing team now. Come along. (laughs) Yeah, logic, damn it. God damn it. There's actually a piece of logic in this film. Wow. I think I maybe skipped over that because they spend no time explaining that a year has passed. <laughs> that one year later slate that <laughs> pops up for a frame. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't just go with like the SpongeBob one that was just like one year later. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very much in, in tone for this film. Uh, Charlie scores the winning shot with his dad's signature move. This film isn't very subtle. Charlie runs off the pitch to see his dad, who is melting big time because he's chosen <laughs> dad, to go inside. <laughs> we get the whole not going to lose you again motif as Charlie runs to get help. 
He runs to his mum's place of work, begs her to drive his snowman into the mountains. Uh, Charlie's mum doesn't believe him when he tells her that his dad is the snowman, uh, which is fairly understandable. So Charlie runs off in a huff. Uh, Gabby then goes to get Mac uh, whilst Charlie pushes Jack round on a different kind of trolley <laughs> oh multiple trolleys in, he's in deep now my line of the film here Mac says they could be anywhere Gabby says Mac it's a kid and a snowman in a trolley Charlie's trying to get Jack onto the back of a lorry but is confronted by Rory uh, but Jack then tells Rory to chill and not have a meltdown fuck off Shut up. <laughs> uh, Rory starts freaking out. Uh, then Charlie drops the whole we've both got no dad bomb on Rory and guilts him into helping them. And <laughs> fucking hell. Then we, I forgot about this line. Then we get... How? All right. Snow dad's better than no dad. It's a well-known phrase uh, in American <laughs> culture. I think, that was, uh, I think that was Walt Whitman that said that, first of <laughs> <Yeah>. all. <laughs> <laughs> the poets are out in force of the bad things that was uh, that was admitted from the first line of the um of the national anthem by francis scott key that was uh oh dear uh so yeah rory helps um charlie and jack into i've, I've given up rory helps jack and charlie into the back of the lorry and it drives off to the mountains uh, then we get probably the most intentionally funny part of the film where gabby and mac are describing the snowman to a police officer Hey, what's the snowman look like? Like a snowman. He looks like a snowman. Three balls, two stick arms, a cute cork nose. He's a snowman, Dave. What do you think he looks like? Hey, look, I'm just trying to do my job. That's all I'm trying to do here. Can you help me out? Five eight. Okay, fine. White. Caucasian. The stocky. Right. Sort of well built. I'd say 500, 550 pounds. You estimate an age. They actually took some time to think a joke through. <laughs> yeah, the second piece of logic in this film. They whoever plays the policeman. His comic timing was so good. Well done, sir. Well done indeed. Uh, we, as we said, we cut to Jack and Charlie, who jump out of the truck down a dirty great hill. Uh, Charlie is not dressed for this sort of weather, so he's definitely going to die. Jack says, my balls are freezing. Never thought I'd say that with a smile on my face. Is this film for kids? <laughs> I still haven't decided. <laughs> I've had two goes at this, and I still don't know. Fucking hell. They make their way to the cabin that Jack should have been at a year previously. Jack has a genuinely sweet line where he says he was so busy trying to make his mark on the world that he didn't realise that Charlie was his mark on the world. Uh, he then undoes all this sweetness by kissing him on the forehead with his weird puppet lips, and it looks horrendous. <laughs> so... Is there any CGI in this, or am I totally wrong? I'm there so confused. There must have been some CGI. Like the, the when he's on the sled, there must have been some CGI. Yeah. But I think well, it's the Jim Henson Company. Speaking of the Muppets, that that make the snowman and um, not their finest moment. <laughs> <laughs> I will say um, it's a mixture. I think of of puppetry and CGI. Um, but yeah, it, none of it looks any good. Um, Jack then dials the phone with his weird stick fingers and calls Gabby uh, Gabby who was <laughs> distraught enough at this point having lost her son is now having to face talking to her dead husband <laughs> good 
Charlie wakes up on Christmas morning because this is a Christmas film, remember? Uh, Jack thanks Charlie for a second chance and then says he has to go. Uh, this bit is actually really sweet once you get past the fact that he is, one more time, a fucking snowman. Uh, Gabby arrives just in time to see the snowman fade away and Nathan, he turns randomly back into Michael Keaton. Right, once again, vague magic here because <laughs> what what rule was there that said he couldn't have done this previously? Why why make the goodbye even more heartbreaking by becoming a human and then floating off in some sort of magic snow dust? Yeah. Um, the other thing I've noted is that ghost Michael Keaton here, uh, unlike a lot of ghosts, has a strange uh, Essex-style tan <laughs> going on. Uh, maybe there are tanning booths in heaven. Uh, he says goodbye and and he ascends as a snow spectre. <laughs> snow spectre, yes. I don't want to say it, but um, you know, you know, hell is famous for being quite hot. Uh, oh, what that place so... that definitely exists. Yes, <laughs> maybe that's where Keaton got the tan. That's all I'm saying. Maybe <laughs> he's that's playing where he's the been devil's for the last music. <laughs> <laughs> what we actually don't realise is that for that gold harmonica, Michael Keaton made a deal at the crossroads yeah. <laughs> and his soul was How taken. How did Robert Johnson make this fuck up? <laughs> Going down to the crossroads. I believe I dust my broom. I love you so much, Cam. I love you too, Jack. <sighs> Goodbye. Charlie boy. We had us a time, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Love you. Bye, Dad. Goodbye. Bye. This bit's quite sad, but it goes on way too long. Uh, the whole turning back into Michael Keaton thing massively kills the mood. Uh, and then we get an unspecified time jump to another Christmas, or the same Christmas, or... I don't know anymore. Shiverfest uh, Max- 2020! <laughs> <laughs> if we ever have a fan convention for bad things, which, based on the strength of this episode, is not likely, uh, we should call it Shiverfest. <laughs> Grease 2 at Shiverfest. <laughs> Max playing the piano in the Frost family home, I put in my notes, <laughs> as he married Gabby. Oh, God. <laughs> it's the classic trope. <laughs> he is the King Claudius in this in this Hamlet-esque narrative. Ah, before 1950, uh, you've got no idea what you're talking about. Sorry, yeah. I'm just saying, have we... Uh, have we uh, got any cct footage of of mac around the time of uh jack's demise did somebody cut the brakes perhaps oh god just just saying just saying max max benefited pretty well from this uh this whole snowman thing well he's he's good he's good with the hardware isn't he so (laughs) he's a handy man oh yeah that's true because another running plot point of this film is they need to get their sink fixed oh yeah and gabby tries for yeah, a bit. but because she's a woman, she can't do it. <laughs> and because it's the 90s. That's not my opinion. That's the opinion of the film. So, yeah, maybe Mac was like, whoa, you know, I'll really come into my own once uh, once Jack's out of the picture. First the sink, 
Then the world. <laughs> then the marriage. <laughs> and the estate. <laughs> the massive sideways house will be mine. Actually, he'd be more he'd be more like, yeah, I really want that fucking cabin. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, Chester. Oh. Daddy's home. Oh. <laughs> it's gonna be the Mac. I don't have a last name band now. <laughs> <laughs> My name's probably just Snow or something really uninspired. Oh no, Chester, Jesus. I put the retinol in your dog food. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the second record was worth it for that. Um, John is playing outside with his friends. Chester the dog is running about and we see that every house in the street now has a snowman outside to varying degrees of success. And that is where the film ends. Way, We did it again. Jacob, I've still got a wee transfer this to you and that might not work. Stop it. Stop it. Jesus Christ. And there, that's the end of Jack Frost. Um, Weird. Weird film. Probably a uh, lower mid-table entry for me out of the 12 things we've done here. Well, 12 episodes. We're probably about, Mm. yeah, what was it, 14 or 15 things in the end we've had this year? Um, 13, isn't it? Is it 13? Um, Yeah, we've we've only done... Two, two in one when we did Jedward, right? Oh yes, okay. So yeah, it would, yeah. it would probably. I'm assuming it would be eighth or ninth, maybe <laughs> in the list. Uh, massive, massive gripes with the pacing. What the hell was Jack Frost the Snowman? <laughs> uh, the the saving grace here is um, that I was quite already feeling quite emotional for watching this film, and that probably helped it for me. And also, I thought the acting of Charlie Frost at the moments of crisis was very good, even if he was a bit stilted when things were a bit calmer. Yeah, the acting's not great, um, even though there are a lot of good actors in this. Uh, I mean, it's Michael fucking Keaton, for God's sake. Like, he deserves better than this. I watched Birdman recently, and he's so good in that. And, God, that's this This was this was nearly 30 years ago. <laughs> this was when he was at his peak. And, yeah, so a bit of a waste of talent. Um, you know, it's definitely a, a studio's attempts to cash in on the Christmas craze. Um, and it just falls flat on its ass. It falls flat on its snowy ass. <laughs> uh, and like so many other Christmas films, is I think doomed to a life of obscurity uh, because there is just literally nothing memorable about this film. It makes no cultural mark. Uh, and I think the only reason anyone's ever going to remember it is because we've reviewed it here today. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure the audience will be big enough, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I've um, can... I've had some people say uh, I have no idea what this film is, and I've had some people say, "Oh, I watched that every Christmas when I was a kid." So <laughs> is that um, Mac? Is that yeah. Mac again? <laughs> what fucking <laughs> film that was? That is fucking great. Come here, Chester, you flurry bastard. <laughs> did you say flurry accidentally? I did, but I, I, I powered through because <laughs> I'm a professional. If this episode has proved nothing, is that I'm a fucking professional. Should we do some reviews, Nathan? Yes, let's get the reviews. Um, yeah, let's 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 do this. Uh, rotten Tomatoes, Nathan, have you got oh, the numbers? One of the best bits <laughs> of our visual reviews, the Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> rotten Tomatoes has the film at 19% oh, and uh, oh. it, it gets worse because the amount of reviews that they've amassed, 
57 reviews. Wow. Yes. 57 and it managed 19%. Yes. 19. Wow. Um, <laughs> how long is it? How has it taken this long for Paul Hardcastle to make it onto the podcast? <laughs> oh, this means he'll make the end, end of year playlist as well, which is great. Hooray. Um, yeah, the site consensus states that sentimental schmaltz and uninspired storytelling sink this film. The audience score mm. is also pretty bad. Uh, we can't trust the audience, of course, because we're all <laughs> idiots, but it is at 39%. Yes, uh, which is bad for an like that. That is pretty bad as an overall score. It's especially bad for an audience score because there will be people who gave this, you know, hundred percent because, as you said, they loved it as kids. Uh, it's on five point four on IMDb, oh. which uses uh, uses both the critics and the audience, which is mental. Uh, it is nowhere near that good. According to IMDb, this is better than an average film. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. It... This is above average for filmmaking. It it would get a two and a half out of five from me. Uh, um, I'd say a two, probably. Mm. I'm more in line with the with the. I think nineteen percent might be a bit harsh. I'm more in line with the thirty nine. I mm. would say, because there are some decent bits. Um, Matt Brunson from Film Frenzy, a site magazine thing I've never heard of, uh, but he's all right by me because his quote is hilarious. Uh, It took four screenwriters to come up with dialogue so horrendous it could have single-handedly ushered in a new era of silent cinema. (laughs) (laughs) Which I love. That's the best A snowy return uh, to the 20s. (laughs) Indeed, yes. And have you got our boy Roger Ebert? uh, Roger Ebert, yes. God rest his soul. Um, He gave the film one out of four stars. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I bought, I have complaints about a four-star rating system, as I've said before, but it's Roger, I'll let it go. Uh, it's possible for the Jim Henson folks and Industrial Light and Magic to put their heads together and come up with the most repulsive single creature in the history of special effects, and I'm not forgetting the Chucky doll or the Desert Intestine from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the Desert Intestine from Star Wars. Great line. Uh, God. Yeah, the snowman comes up a lot um, in bad reviews. Uh, we did get some good reviews, though, as Ben Falk from Empire Magazine says. Despite ben, an fuck. Ass- <laughs> ben Fuck. Yeah, ben Fuck off, based on this review. Uh, oh, dis- this is hard. <laughs> despite an astoundingly dodgy-looking central character, this is a children's flick that doesn't apologise for being so. Uh, and in an environment where even cartoons are stuffed full of gags purely for the grown-ups, that's remarkably refreshing. He didn't watch this film. He watched a different film. This one had snow boobs in it. <laughs> ben! Uh, boobs are PG. They are now. Every, <laughs> well, everything's sex now, isn't it? But not the nipple, because female <laughs> nipples are awful. <laughs> Get rid of them. I'm just in the mood because I was watching Naked Attraction last night. <laughs> Oh, Christ, I love it. <laughs> Let's move on from the snow boobs. Uh, it not only panned uh, in the t- eyes of the critics, it also flopped at the box office because it... Well, we we sort of couldn't figure out what the budget was of the film, could we? Because some sites said 40 million and some sites said 85. <laughs> that, that, uh, whoever Whoever's come up with that is never becoming my prime minister. <laughs> I can tell you that. That is some Diane Abbott levels of... (laughs) Diane, oh my God. That is some Diane Abbott levels of number fudging. 
Um, but yeah, it's a uh, either way. It grossed um, just over three thirty four and a half million in North America. So regardless of the budget, it didn't make any money. And yeah, it it all round massive flop uh, in terms of critical and commercial success. And you know what? Fair enough, because it didn't deserve to make any money. <laughs> Anyway, uh, my final thoughts on the film was I thought there was a really nice message to it and some bits were really quite emotional, but as I said, the pacing was so off and I felt like it tried to cram a lot in that it just didn't have time for. Um, It underplayed so many of its uh, side characters. I mean, the whole thing with Sid Gronick, where he saw Jack, like, went nowhere. It went absolutely nowhere. There's, There's a little girl in this who crops up every now and again but she's so unimportant that I haven't even bothered to write her name down in my notes she just turns I, up I, every I now and again I have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> well there we go exactly uh, and it just flip flop from serious to silly all the time uh, and yeah it just didn't work unfortunately and that's before we even get to the special effects which were <laughs> not so special but definitely affected a lot of children watching this in the cinema, who now all have intense fears of snowmen uh, in their in their early thirties, definitely a bad thing for me. Nathan, would you go as far as to call it a bad thing? I uh, so just I will say just uh, my se- okay. my sentimentality is getting in the way for the first time in my life. <laughs> what a time for you to become sentimental about something. Michael Keaton has brought it out of me. <laughs> Oh, don't watch Birdman. You will be in tears. And there we go, ladies and gents. That is Jack Frost, take two. Bloody hell. Sorry if uh, at some points we, I say we, me, if I uh, didn't take this review as seriously as possible. Um, hopefully there were still some good bits in there that made you laugh. I mean, I'm just I'm just very sad that you don't get to hear the first version because this, this film, there is a lot to find funny about this film. Uh, and maybe we'll maybe we'll review it, you know, several years down the line with fresher eyes and ears uh, and see if our thoughts have changed at some point. But uh, Nathan, thanks very much for joining me uh, on this on this 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 utterly bizarre experience, even more bizarre than our usual records are. And uh, thank you for putting up with me for yet another hour and 40 minute review. It, it is 10 past 10 on a Thursday night. What the hell is going on? <laughs> we both have work. What are we doing? But we're not done yet. We have to reveal the winner of the poll, Nathan. Hey. Who are we going to be reviewing for our very first episode of Bad Things in 2021? Well, Man of the Woods is officially banished now from <laughs> further polls. People do not want to hear Justin Timberlake. I think he may have even come last on I'm, this I poll. think you may have been the only person who voted for him. <laughs> Apart from my mum, who I'm not sure knows how the voting system works. Yeah, I thought that might have been an accidental, yeah. (laughs) Shout out to Elaine. We are going to be reviewing an album from 2006. It is over 70 minutes long. It has a song in it called Dickhead. Uh, It is uh, Robbie Williams' bizarre electro foray into electro rap sort of but only on a few songs after he departed from guy chambers a few years earlier we will be reviewing rude box for you in january of 2021 
Yeah, a bit gutted that LP1 didn't win because I wanted to talk about the bisexual song. But never mind. Dickhead is on the uh, on the track listing. So... <laughs> we will spend so... as long on Dickhead as that Frank Zappa song. <laughs> oh, dear. Thanks to everyone who voted in the poll. Uh, always nice to see your interaction. You can, of course, find the polls, all our polls, on our Facebook page. Uh, which is Bad Things the Podcast. We'll do the full social media gambit at the end, but we have another poll to launch. It's our February 2021 poll. And considering February is usually award seasons, nobody knows what the fuck is going to go on in 2021, but let's pretend it's normal. Uh, I thought we'd go through four winners of the Golden Raspberry Award, also known as the Razzie, for Worst picture of the year and the first option is the man of the woods of our film reviews because it's back one last time either let it win or let it come last it is a film starring the likes of elizabeth banks Kristen bell halle berry gerard butler seth mcfarland hugh jackman terence howard chloe grace moretz chris pratt uma thurman kate winslet and richard Gere. you can tell i've had to say that a fair few times 14 different storylines and an absolute mess of a narrative Movie 43 is back, ladies and gentlemen. Who knows what's going to happen? For the love of God, don't make it come second. It's got my vote, Jacob, so you're all good. (laughs) Okay. Number two is a film from 1980, the first ever winner of the Golden Raspberry for Worst Picture. Alan Carr, the writer of Grease, produces a musical pseudo-biopic of the village people. This is a film called Can't Stop the Music. Which, what a find this was in my research. I, I'm very excited that, for the possibility of this. If Movie 43 wasn't on my poll, uh, it wasn't <laughs> on my poll, it is on the poll. Uh, if <laughs> Movie 43 wasn't my pick, I would absolutely be voting for this. So everyone make sure that this comes second. Thank you. <laughs> God, this is Trumpian levels of vote tampering with at this point. Stop the count. Uh, Number three is an Adam Sandler movie starring as a man and his twin sister in the first movie to win a Razzie in every single category, including Sandler winning both Worst Actor and Worst Actress. This is 2011's Jack and Jill. (laughs) Uh, You could include any Adam Sandler film on this, to be honest. (laughs) Yes, I agree. No, don't be sorry. I agree. And last but by no means least, we've tackled one of James Corden's terrible movies before, but this one might be even worse. It stars a whole host of famous people playing smiley faces and Sir Patrick Stewart playing a poo. It's the Emoji Movie from 2017. What an array of stinkers, Nathan. This is going to be fun. Yes, uh, remember how badly reviewed it was when it came out. Uh, and I've not seen Patrick Stewart in a lot of stuff, actually. I did enjoy him in his adaptation of Macbeth. Uh, that's probably the best thing I've seen Oof. Patrick Stewart in. That is the classiest Not a Trekkie, sorry. <laughs> no, uh, he is phenomenal in Logan, the, uh, the X-Men movie, but I doubt right. that means very much to you. What? <laughs> never mind those are your options that is february 2021 but let's deal with december 2020 first this has been a really weird episode sorry everybody hopefully you've enjoyed it i i have enjoyed it in a weird roundabout sort of way Uh, i don't know jacob was that all was that all of the options yeah oh was that did we do four yeah that was four oh i've totally lost my mind now (laughs) go on let's wrap this up quickly uh nathan you've been an absolute star this year thank you so much for taking care of 
all the research you do and coming up with, I mean, coming up with the idea for the podcast in the first place, you know, this was all, this was all your baby. So thank you so much for that and, and for giving me such a great outlet for creativity and, and something to take my mind off the horrors of the world uh, in 2020. And hopefully we've done that for a few other people as well. So I've thoroughly enjoyed this this year uh, and I can't wait to get to do this uh, when we can go to the pub afterwards. Yes, uh, and Jacob, to you, um, thank you uh, so much for making my year, at least for the two hours that we do a record, vaguely variable. Uh, variable? <laughs> bearable. Oh, my God. Bearable. See, I can, see, there's just no sentiment here at all. No, um, no, you used it all up on Charlie Frost. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, there's been a global pandemic. I've had a whole uh, raft of personal uh, health bullshit as well, which we don't need to go into now. Um, and I'd just like to make people aware that Jacob basically do, well, does do all the editing and most of the social media for this podcast because I'm a lazy shit. So uh, thank you to Jacob for, uh, for this year and I'll see you in 2021. Well, thank you, Nathan. Uh, thank you very much to, to everyone who's listened to this podcast all year. If you've done one episode or all 12 or 13 or however many stupid episodes we've done, I don't know. Thank you very much. Um, it, I, I really would encourage you, if you've enjoyed this, to go and listen to our other episodes. Uh, if you're more a fan of the music side of what we do, we have Extra Bad, of course, which is our review of the UK charts year uh, decade by decade, reviewing our least favourite number one singles. The 70s just dropped. The 80s will be coming out very soon. They're a lot of fun to do. Uh, I know Nathan really enjoys those recording sessions. I do as well. Uh, and they're under an hour, which might be the thing that sways you. So, yeah, go and check that out. Uh, we're on Acast, at Bad Things uh, Podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts as well. Facebook, the Bad, Bad Things, the podcast. Twitter and Instagram is at Bad Things Pod. And that's about it for this episode and indeed this year here on Bad Things. Of course, things ended in a giant clusterfuck for 2020 for Bad Things. Here's to another year. Here's to a fresh start. Uh, here's to Margaret Keenan and William Shakespeare and that posh bloke uh, and everyone else who's getting vaccinated. And let's hope and pray that we can at least get to go to one music festival over the summer. Well, that's it for now. Thanks, everyone, for listening. From myself, it's a very uh, generic goodbye. And from Nathan Packham... A generic goodbye. Remember to stay bad, but stay within the rules over Christmas, everyone. Yes, indeed. Have a wonderful Christmas, as wonderful as you can. Eat lots of food, drink lots of drink. Just have a great time. And hopefully you'll have, <laughs> you'll have able to have forgiven us for the absolute shitstorm that we've just given you. <laughs> oh, if you want a refund, just uh, just mail us something in the post. Thanks very much, everybody. We'll see you in 2021. I'm going to go and have a lie down. Ta-ta, everyone. Jesus Christ. Jesus <laughs> Christ.